interesting topic that you've chosen. I, I, uh, I was surprised and intrigued, and I tried to uh, do a little bit of research, and uh, I learned some things. So I'm, yeah, that's, I'm excited. Yeah, that's one of the things I always wonder about. Like, what do other people in Alaska know or think about? But it seems like it's such an important issue to people who live here. Hello, Alaska. I'm Matt Buxton. And I'm Pat Race. And this is a podcast about Alaska. In today's episode, we're talking about Fairbanks and its infamously dirty air. What's going on up here, why it's sometimes as bad as Beijing, and what's being done or not done to fix it. But first, Pat, what's up with you? What have you been reading about? Um, wow. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't feel like that's an easy question right now. There's, uh, there are so many things happening uh, since we last talked uh, I mean, we've got uh, we've got international events. We've got all this terrorism. Uh, we've got our our local reaction to that. Um, we've got we had a murder here in Juneau. We had a double. It was a double homicide. Um, mm-hmm. And there's just a a ton of things happening um, in the news, yeah. both big and small. Yeah. The, the prison the prison report. report yeah. which sounds like we're going to have pot clubs, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to start? Well, one of the things that I, I was uh, hoping, or I, I guess. Uh, that's come up since then is um, a, a couple questions about last week's episode. Uh, there were some questions about where does um, where uh, in in the world of heels and heroes of Alaska politics, where does our beloved representative Don Young sit? So, have you had any had any thought about this? I did think about that, and I I um, yeah, actually I, I sent a, a rather lengthy email, uh, and, and I, surprisingly, I did not get a response from his office, but. Um, uh, I I asked them if they'd be willing to come on and, and talk a little bit about political narrative, and I also asked them, uh, which may have have tanked my request. I asked them what Don Young's wrestling name would have been if, <laughs> if he had gone into that profession. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think Don Young's narrative, uh, if we're if we're casting it in these like wrestling role scenarios, as we did the last episode, I think that um, I think that he's. I think he's a face. I think he's a winner. I think he's the oh, guy that wins every time and everyone wants him to lose, but he wins. And so he's kind of like a, like he's that winner that you want to see taken down. So he like, is the John Cena of wrestling. He's the Superman. He, he always wins. I think so. Goody two, not, not necessarily goody two shoes, but he, he, you really are always rooting against him. Yeah. Like he, he's the guy that's going to win every time and you can try and root against him and it's just not going to work. And I think that's the, I think that's his, I think that's his, uh, if you're going to simplify it into wrestling roles. But, but beyond that, I think that the, the point we're trying to make is not that everyone can be reduced to a, uh, as a role in wrestling. Um, but I think that, uh, I think that what we were trying to say with that episode is that it, it's a lot more complicated and people are a lot more complicated. But, but in this case, Don Young equals John Cena. Got it. Right, right. Okay. I'm glad we answered that one. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that um, I spent most of this week uh, following, I thought found it very interesting, was the the prison report. Um, this is a uh, report uh, released by the Walker administration. It is in response to a slew of um, let's let's call them uh, suspicious or concerning deaths in the prison system and, and some suicides too. And uh, it was it was telling. It was um, there was. Uh, some concerning things in there about um, the policies, and um, it, was, it was interesting one for a lot of journalists, and I'm sure people, other people, to be pouring through to see um, 
what's going on and how we're treating uh, our, our inmates. Right here in Juneau, in Lemon Creek, we had a guy who was taken to jail for being inebriated, and he was not formally charged with anything. He spent the night in jail and uh, died of a heart attack and wasn't given treatment and was, in fact, um, sort of told to <laughs> told that he needed to stop complaining. Um, but it, it was interesting to see that you could be swept up and taken to jail and not charged with anything and then die in jail. Um, yeah, and, 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 and that's and, one of the things we're looking at following, too, is, is um, the news miner, uh, you know, we, we're working on this alcohol project. And so the Title 47, I believe, it's this law where the state can hold you if you're drunk and, uh, and clean you out, I guess. And uh, it's... Um, there's some cases where people are being dropped off at the prisons in cells with, you know, people who are in there for, uh, you know, more, uh, more violent for assault. crimes. Yeah. yeah. And um, they have like a 0. 0.50 alcohol BRAC. Wow. And, you know, that person's poisoned, man. Yeah. So, so maybe the hospital. Maybe the hospital, yeah. But but then again, like then you got to worry about where the money comes from. Exactly, because they're they're dropping them off at the emergency room, and you've got um, not only that is generally the police officer has to stay there with them if they're emergency if they're at the emergency room, and so now you've got a police officer who's off the street caring for like sitting in the waiting room at the emergency room. Mm-hmm. It's a I mean it's a weird situation, and it costs a ton of money. Yeah, and in Fair, up in Fairbanks, uh, I don't know if they have it down there, but they uh, I think they have a, a version of it. In, Anchorage too, but it's a uh, community service patrol where so you have non-officers who've been given some kind of legal ability to basically sweep people up and throw them into these situations. So they're not even um, not law officers, but they are kind of being asked to make these judgments about um, the safety of people. So yeah, so the prison report was interesting. Um, yeah. I, I think that the the other thing that really kind of got my hackles up this week is just the. Uh, um, response uh, to the Syrian um, refugees and the bombings in Paris, and it's been really sort of interesting and insightful to see how we've dealt with that on a state level. There's, it's really explosive on both sides. There's, uh, um, I think that the governor's been fairly level-headed about it, but the reaction to his level-headedness has been kind of off the charts. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm curious what you think about it. You're in, in Fairbanks. What's the what does it feel like up there? Um. So up in Fairbanks, it really kind of feels a lot of this sort of similar to the rest of the state, which is to say I think a lot of people are having a very negative reaction. I think Walker seems to be one of the few guys who is taking kind of really, I mean, in an, ultimately kind of a middle-of-the-ground, middle-of-the-road approach of kind of a, you know, we can't legally stop this, um, but so, so let's make sure it's done correctly kind of approach. Yeah, so have you seen the Frontiersman? Response yeah, to it? Yes, and I think that's the most surprising uh, and delightful response yet. Um, it's it, you know basically a, uh, a turn your eyes away from this situation that you have no control over and focus on what matters in your communities right now uh, type of response. And it, um, it was really surprising coming from the Frontiersmen, and it was also surprising that, uh, at least when I'd read it, the comments were uh, fairly well balanced in, in, in favor of and against it. Mm-hmm. I think the shape of the valley is changing. I think that the political shape of it is is not as uh, I don't think it's as extreme in extremely conservative as it once was. I think that there's been a lot of growth in that area, and I think that we're starting to see see signs in the valley reflecting that growth and the change. It's interesting backing bouncing back to uh, our last episode about narrative, and you know th- we see some really clear narratives. Of, of, 
coming out here. And I think this editorial by the Frontiersman actually does a really good job at cutting through it, which is, you know, I think a lot of the people that are having these strong responses, um, I worry that it's really born out of, you know, political opportunism, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. So you use the word opportunism, and I think that there's something there. I think that rather than uh, a lot of these politicians are being criticized for being reactionary, for reacting to an event rather than like getting in front of it. But, but I, I do think that it's not so much reactionary as calculated and opportunistic. And that's mm-hmm. what really, really frustrates me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I tied into that idea of what the frontiersman was talking about, that we need to focus on what's going on in our communities. Um, I know that the Matsu is, is dealing with a huge heroin problem right now. Um, and a lot of, residents feel like the you know leadership there is turning kind of a blind eye to it or or they're not empowered to do anything about it um we have a similar problem here in juno and last week we had five people go to the emergency room overdosing on drugs and uh uh, i think that was mostly heroin there's an article about uh china white and the different types of heroin that are coming into juno and we had a double homicide which is incredibly rare here um, and one of the girls that was killed is a, is, uh, you know, someone I knew it's a small town and it's not uncommon to, <laughs> to know these people. And, um, it was really, uh, it, it was, it really, it really brings it home when you know someone who's tied up in this, in this strange thing. And, and we, we don't know enough about this murder to know that it was for sure drug related, but it really seems like all signs are pointing that direction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I tutored this girl in high school and she was smart and she was fiery and like sassy. And, uh, she had all these, you know, like bumps and breaks in her life, but she really didn't deserve that kind of death. And, and I don't know that anyone does. Um, like, it's just not, uh, it's, it's really disturbing that that happened in our community. And also that, that whoever did that is still kicking around here. Um, so another thing beyond the whole problem that we're dealing with, uh, with heroin, I I think that, um, I think that we're dealing with a community that's, um, having trouble being a community in some respects. And, um, and, one thing that was really uh, disturbing to me was the way the Empire, our our local paper paper of record, wrote up um, this double homicide, and they basically you could tell they Googled her name and pulled down the first thing they found about her and sort of dropped it in there in lieu of any sort of actual research. So you've got this this person who died, and you're using your Badu.com. Uh, dating profile as their front page obituary. And mm-hmm. I thought it was a really disrespectful thing to publish. And it was, um, I don't know why, but that was the thing that really hit me about this whole whole event. Is like, I think that the the impersonal way that, that the deaths were dealt with um, affected me more so than, than the whole idea that people were killed, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of psychological weirdness that says about me, but that's just, <laughs> that's kind of the thing that I trudged through last week. Well, I think, and so that's actually really interesting. Um, you know, as, as a reporter, I think, you know, that kind of description of somebody um, is probably a lot more common than you think it would be. You know, I think you notice it because 
you knew this person that it was kind of this impersonal profile, but I probably almost every kind of death, unless the, unless someone in the newsroom like personally knows who that person was, ends up getting kind of reduced to that. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. And so when we were digging around on the story about the individual who died up here, Gilly Joseph, um, we saw that there was a obituary written about him that mentioned that he was um, familiar with the St. Matthew's Episcopal Church. And so I was actually doing a story there, and um, in the course of doing that story, I asked him, oh, so do you remember um, Gilly Joseph? I, I saw that he, he was he was a member of the congregation, and and you could see that, and, and as I went and told the pastor about what was happening and what had happened, you saw his face kind of change and a recognition of who this person was. And to me, that was really striking because it made me really realize that, yeah, these are people. And the more that we can do to, to humanize and to, you know, recognize that a name in a report or a story is just is a whole lot more than an example of whatever incident they're being used for. And that, you know, this guy was sure he, he had a tough life too. You know, he was, a uh, uh, had a lot of problems with alcohol he didn't really have a whole lot of family, but you know he went to church every week and he swept the pews and he shoveled the snow and he had two other friends who died right before or right around the time he died. Yeah, he and, was part of that community. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing is that that was important for me to see that he meant something to somebody else and kind of makes me sort of made me take a pause and realize that there probably are a whole lot of other people that for me. For as a reporter who's sort of churning stuff out, uh, end up getting reduced. And so from here on out, I'm going to try to do my best to try to find find a little more out about these people that I'm writing, especially if they're victims. And I think we can do that in Alaska. I think our state is small enough that like you can find someone that knows someone, that knows something, that has one nice thing to say about this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. <laughs> huh. Anyways, yeah. Um so, so we don't talk about air quality? Yeah, let's do that. That would be nice <laughs> and fluffy. Let's do some air quality action. Um, I'm I'm really excited to get into this topic because I did not know much about it before this week. So um, yeah, so actually, so that's one of the things. So I'm from Fairbanks. I've been covering this issue uh, for the last oh, you know, I've been in Alaska for four and a half years now, and I've been covering air quality for about four and a half years. So that was like one of the big first big stories I did. I actually really remember it. But I'm interested to know what your take is, though. Okay, so what do I know about Fairbanks and air quality? Um, I was, So I went to school in Fairbanks, um, but I was largely sheltered. I was on the campus a lot of the time there. Um, and uh, the only real thing I know about air quality up there is that uh, when the weather gets really cold, things kind of turn upside down and... Uh, and there's yeah, a lot it's of called like, inversion, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say, yeah, inversion and ice fog and everything's all, uh, everyone's just kind of down in the clouds. But when you're up on the campus, you're above it and it's not too big of a deal. Um, and then uh, I know in the summertime, there are big problems with forest fires. I spent mm-hmm. one, one summer up there and, uh, you know, there was one of my friends used to ride around on his bike with a gas mask on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this summer was really bad. There was a couple um, really smoky fires nearby. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about today, though. The, the forest fires are a whole other thing. What we're talking about is human-caused smoke. Okay, this so is... I, I know uh, about zero. So uh, okay, drop some knowledge. So uh, you know what also is pretty close to zero is um, P2.5. 
PM 2.5. This is going to be the kind of the recurring scientific jargon of this episode. But PM 2.5 is particulate fine particulate matter that is uh, 2.5 microns in diameter. And so okay, wait, ask, hold on. How big? Okay, is so 2.5 how big is microns. Yes. So 2.5 microns. Uh, so for example, a ha- human hair, your average human hair, is about 70 microns in uh, diameter. So uh, it's about 30 times or one thirtieth of the width of a human hair. Okay. So, so it's pretty much invisible. It's yeah. not, it's odorless. Um, it, you'll smell smoke because there's other things in smoke that are coming out, but by itself it's odorless. Um, Can you see this? No, you okay. can't. If it's pure, pure, you got pure 100% uh, PM 2.5, it will be invisible. So um, I can, I can breathe it and I can walk through it. And I can just not know it's there. Yes. Okay. It will usually be with other stuff that you can smell. That's that's the the more the PM tens, the PM, you know, those are the bigger particles that have this nice aroma. Those are not as big of a problem, not as big, not as big of a concern here. But this PM two point five, the really small stuff, uh, is um, what's problematic. And okay, so are the smaller particles a problem because they get into parts of your lungs that the bigger ones can't? That's going to yes. be my guess. Okay, yes, all right. <laughs> so, so they go into your lungs, and um, the way uh, your lungs work is that you know it runs blood through through there, and uh, the oxygen in the air and all the other kind of stuff you need um, can get through this uh, barrier. And the fun thing about PM two point five. Well, the really insidious thing about PM 2.5 is that it can cross into that barrier and it gets all up inside your your entire body. It can, um, it causes... Oh, it goes through your lungs. It goes through your lungs, into your blood, oh. with, with oxygen, with all these other things that you need. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have uh, wood smoke, you know, is the big pr- 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 producer of it here, but also yeah. uh, you have car emissions, uh, some other stuff can come can, can come in there, so you have it bouncing around in your blood. Great, yeah. And okay. so the and so it the, it gets into your brain. It can cause strokes. It can cause heart attacks. Basically, anything that is caused by um, inflammation, yeah, uh, is is something that PM two point five can cause. So there's been studies that show it it uh, it it's linked to um, strokes, heart attacks, uh, decreased um, cognitive ability in women in the in their thirties is one report that compared. I think um, wow, uh, people so this, in Chicago so this is to much, people in LA. This is much much more than just asthma and coughing. Yeah. Okay. So it, and so there's actually um, uh, D- Department of Health and Social um, Services did a study in 2010, and I'll put this in the show notes that um, showed. Uh, that every so so uh, PM two point five is measured in micrograms per cubic meter, um, and that's kind of so when you say ten micrograms per cubic meter, that's what you're talking about. And so for each ten microgram increase uh, in PM two point five, the DHSS found a seven percent increase in stroke related hospital visits for people under age sixty five. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, that kind of put me to sleep. The whole okay ten cubic mahamanaha. What's <laughs> tell? Can we? What'd you say? No. How many well, cubic one meters? Cubic, one cubic meter. Cubic meters are is a meter cubed. So there's this. So in a meter is about three feet. Yes. Right? So three feet got, by three feet by three feet. Three feet by three feet by three feet, and inside of that cube, how much dirt is there? 
There is 10 micrograms. And 10 micrograms is still not as big as a human hair? Or No. Or no, that's a weight. That's a weight. So 10 micrograms of particulates that are by themselves no longer larger than 2.5 microns. I'm not I've no idea how many I actual know, atoms that might be. <laughs> okay, how what what else weighs 10 micrograms? Oh, what else weighs 10 micrograms? What weight I mean, I'm going to I'm going to Google this. What yeah. weighs 10 micrograms? Uh oh, here's an example of one, something that weighs a microgram. Okay, what's and that? So a pair of socks. Uh, a particle of baking powder. Okay, so ten, so ten particles of baking powder within a three-foot cube is what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. Okay, see now we're speaking human. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. All right, all right, <laughs> good. Okay, so on, so on the nineteenth of November in Juneau, we had a measurement of 20, 22 micrograms. So that means we had twenty-two grains of baking powder in a three-foot cube per three-foot yes. cube. Okay, but these <sighs> this baking powder ground up so fine that. It's it's invisible. Well, and it's spread out. It's like twenty. Mm-hmm. It's not all in one clump. It's twenty-two grains so, floating within so this giant cube. How did that air smell to you? Was it? Do you remember it being pretty clean? I was not in the valley on that day, oh, okay. but I I can pretty much guarantee that I didn't notice a difference. So sometimes uh, in Fairbanks, they get that number gets into three hundred. So you have three hundred things popping around right now. Wait. Okay. Uh, okay. Wait. So yeah. so. Okay, hold on. I'm in Juno. I'm looking at this website, and it's and it says good, moderate, unhealthy, and then there's like this like scary red arrow zone that says yeah. Hell. Okay, so the good goes up to twelve point one, and then moderate goes until thirty five point five. Unhealthy mm-hmm. is at fifty five point five, and then beginning at one hundred and fifty point five is the big red scary hazardous zone. And you're mm-hmm. saying that Fairbanks was in the 300s? It has been, yes. <laughs> Currently, it's only 80 in North Pole. Okay, so that's so, in the in the red easy. red unhealthy region, according to yes. my. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. That's all. All right. But they've probably so, developed an immunity, right? Is yeah, that... exactly. <laughs> oh my God, you people actually believe that. Yeah, they believe that. I, I heard somebody at a meeting. Oh, it was in 2000. Oh, 12 or 13. Um, at a meeting, he was hacking up along. And I mean, granted, so if anybody's made it this far, they know how kind of complicated the science can be. So, um, but, but granted, so there, there's a guy at a meeting who had, um, who's hacking up along. He was saying, oh, oh, the wood smoke never has bothered my um, CPOD, which is chronic um, pulmonary. What's it? Oh my. So the wood smoke has never bothered the disease that you probably got from the wood smoke? Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I translated. Chronic that. obstructive pulmonary disease. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I picked up on the clues and that that coded message you sent me. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he could. He, it never bothered his CPOD. So or COPD. Excuse me. A, as he was coughing through this statement. Yeah. We really need to watch our acronyms. I I, I feel like we could. Yeah. With this show could we could just have a whole show where we only speak <laughs> to each other in acronyms. So as much as possible, let's try to avoid them forever yeah, exactly. and into yeah. the future. Anyways, he he was he was yeah he, he had a disease where he was coughing. Uh, it's v- very closely linked to heart attacks uh, and strokes. So, uh, fun stuff. Great. All right. So uh, teach me some more. What else do I need to know? So do you want to know how it got like this? 
Uh, I yes, I do. I mean, I assume <laughs> that it just has to do with people burning a lot of wood. Yeah, it wasn't really an issue until relatively recently. Though. Oh, really? And this is over the last 10, 15 years. Is it a population density thing? Or? Well, it was actually, uh, from my understanding, is that it's mostly driven by uh, really high oil prices in the, the mid-2000s, when the oil prices really started to rise for the first time. Uh, a lot of people started switching over to wood stoves. It was a cheaper alternative. You know, you're just paying in sweat labor. You know, right. you go out, cut your wood, don't let it dry long enough to be to burn hot and clean, and then throw it in there. Um, and so you had a lot of people who you know uh, what, you didn't know grow what, up Matt? with wood stoves. If you cut your own wood, you warm yourself twice. Oh, there you go. That's a. Did you, did you actually? Did you have a wood stove growing up? I did. Yeah, it was great. It had. Um, it was this like metal wood stove, and it had all these handprints burned into it from all the different kids that had touched it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think a lot of Alaskans grew up with wood stoves. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a really common thing up here. It's a it's an abundant resource, and we're and many communities are surrounded by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the big problem in Fairbanks is that there are a lot of people who didn't grow up with wood stoves starting to use them. There are a lot of people who are moving in who are looking for an ultra-cheap alternative. So they don't know some of the key ways of operating wood stoves. You know, they don't season their wood properly. So they're putting in wet, very wet wood into their stoves. And that's the sort of stuff mm-hmm. that um, makes the stove burn really, really um, dirtily. Turtley, turtley, yeah. yeah. Um, but that can also contribute to uh, stack fires. Yeah, yeah. And it can, and it makes it so the wood isn't as isn't as efficient. You're not burning up as much of the wood. You're not getting all the heat from it. So okay, it really pays to split, stack, and store. Yep. Yeah, that's, you, that's is the, that an ad that's the, on the radio? Yeah, it's there? like the PSA oh, okay. message from the Fairbanks North Star Borough. Can you send it to me? I'll cut it in there. <laughs> Burning wet wood is less efficient and produces excessive smoke, which none of us want to breathe, especially our neighbors. If you burn wood, remember, split, stack, store, and save. It's that simple. So that actually brings us to um, what's being done about it. So do you want to know what's being done about it? <laughs> Uh, nothing. It sounds like a, so it sounds like a bad problem, right? <laughs> it sounds like a bad problem. Okay. Yes. A bad problem. I feel like you're leading me somewhere. Tell me when, <laughs> what's being done about it. So up until recently, nothing like zero is being done about it. Okay. So in about 2008, 2009, the environmental protection agency popped in, they have the clean air act, which has all these different standards about PM 2.5, carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, that sort of stuff. Um, so anyways, the, the the whole reason that anybody's doing anything now or paying any attention to it is that because the Environmental Protection Agency uh, uh, sort of threatened all these sh- sanctions on the state uh, if it doesn't get it cleaned up. So we could lose highway funds. We could lose some other things. Um, when you say we, do you mean Fairbanks or do you mean Alaska? Fairbanks. Okay. Um, although there are some kind of – some of the really heavy hammers that the EPA could bring in on it, bring in on the state – would be actually affecting all the state's highway funds. Wow. So they could put a hold on it. But, but that's probably unlikely to happen. Yes. The EPA so far, um, you know, there was deadlines for 2012, I think, to clean it up. And now those are basically been effectively pushed off to 2019. Okay. So in 2009, the borough voters approved a kind of, it's what's called a memorandum of, of understanding that the local government is going to be the lead agency fixing the air quality, because there was kind of a basic understanding that it's really bad for public health, and it's also really bad to lose our highway funds. And so, so someone needs to take the lead on this issue. Local government's the one. Yes. Okay. And 
so the government said to kind of figuring out what do they want to do. I think they, they got about halfway into it, and then the borough uh, initiative, there's a, a voter initiative um, backed by uh, none other than Representative Tammy Wilson and a few other people. And that one said, uh, the borough shall not regulate air quality. Cannot stop a person from uh, using their wood stove in yeah. any sort of way. What was the argument behind, like, why did we decide that's a good idea? Oh, so uh, do you like heating your home? I do like heating my home, especially I've lived in Fairbanks. Yeah, so what if you, what if you were told that the government didn't want you to heat your home and it was going to take away your way of heating your home and that maybe there's this thing called the wood stove police that would knock down your door to take away the way they would you're heating your they home. They would come into my home and take my wood stove? I, no, they, uh, I mean they wouldn't. The government they, must they, be stopped. Yes. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So that that was a very, very uh, convincing argument for a few years. That was renewed, I think, uh, two two times uh, because uh, b- voter initiatives cannot be uh, changed by the local government or cannot be edited for two years. After right. So there's on. like a once you pass a initiative, everyone's gathered the signatures. You you can't change it. It's locked in for a couple of years. The same thing on the state level. Yes. So it just so it basically took any teeth away. The city was just unable to deal with the issue for a couple of years. Yep. Okay, and then did it eventually expire? Yeah, so so eventually there's kind of been this long-running attempt to educate the public about the effects of dirty air, you know. You mean brain, you mean I think you mean brainwash the public. Yes, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah. So there there's been a long-running effort to do that and and uh, I think people are starting to get it now. And so you have um, in 2014 was really the formation of the first actual campaign for clean air uh they went to the the transfer sites and they found tires and they wrote tired of dirty air on them and they won and well their, their side won so that was the first time it was a four percent margin i want to say and then they lit the tires on fire to celebrate yes yeah, yeah. yeah. okay so all right so i did actually read your old articles that you wrote about this uh the, the oldest one goes back to 2011 and um and it says, uh, we've got a quote in here from Tammy Wilson, and it says, the borough is already on track to reduce air pollution by 2014 through existing measures. The majority of people are using it responsibly. We are currently working in the right direction. So what happened in, in jumping from 2011 to 2014? Is that an accurate statement? Um, so 2015, the spring, we had the worst ever air quality day in, I believe, January. Okay. It was... Uh, about twice as bad as what it was currently in Beijing at the time. Wow. Yeah. So it's no, it's not been fixed. Um, you know, I think there there were a lot of hopes. A lot, you know, and and, and Tammy Wilson's credit, you know, there were a lot of hopes that uh, we would have um, natural gas by this time. And the the big problem at the time was that uh, heating oil was too is four dollars was almost four dollars a gallon, and they wanted uh, natural gas was going to be half the price. The natural mm-hmm. gas still isn't here. It hasn't, not, it's still two, three, four years off at least. But the bottom's kind of fallen out of the the uh, heating oil, right? I mean, it should, the yes. price, yeah. So, so, that, so it will be interesting to see this winter now. Um, we do have, uh, the, the, the heating oil is almost the same, it's almost $2 right now. So much more reasonable than it has been in the past like three yes. or four years, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, so what else, uh, so what else is happening now? They finally passed a law, and and uh, now the air is clean, and everyone's happy, and we all get along together. 
Well, we'll see, actually. So the citizen initiative that banned the borough's ability to regulate air quality in any way expired last last October. And so um, the the local government said, well, we probably shouldn't do it right away. So they, they drafted all the regulations, put them forward in the spring. And this is the very first winter where we have any kind of actual air regulations. Mm-hmm. And so this winter, we've actually had our very first burn ban that says... If you have a stove, no matter how clean your stove is, you can't use it anymore. And that's any kind of that's just any wood stove, or does that include pellet stoves and that's yeah. So okay. it includes wood stoves, includes pellet stoves, includes coal stoves, it includes your tire stove. <laughs> are there just people kidding. are there people that burn tires for heat? I don't I don't know. I, I there's always been kind of elusive reports of it. Um but I don't think that many people do. I don't but, think there's a whole lot of stoves that are like really. But there are do it people well. who still burn coal, right? I mean, I know yes. there's a lot of coal in the Fairbanks area. Like there, there are people who haul in buckets of coal and throw it in their stove. And mm-hmm. wow, that's yeah, that's it's really it's, interesting. Coal's really cheap up here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they still they allow that one. That was one, kind of one of the things that um, happened. Uh, there was sort of. The clean air people said, fine, well, we'll accept that there's coal as long as we can kind of limit wood stoves better. Yeah, and that's interesting to me. I, it always, um, I guess my perspective on it was that coal for home heating was it was sort of a, a relic. It was, it was kind of a Victorian era pre-industrial thing that we did, you know, like chimney sweeps and, and uh, hey, Mary Poppins. I was looking through the um, phone book for another thing, and I saw there's actually a lot of chimney sweeps still in Fairbanks. Wow. Do they sing? Uh, I would hope so. Okay. So anyways, so so one of the things that was interesting is that, you know, this whole thing has kind of been a balance of personal responsibility, um, uh, uh, um, you know, kind of and the right versus the right to heat your home versus, you know, the, the, the necess- necessity of public health. Yeah. And so from outside, I think we thought, even, even at the paper, you know, we were kind of expecting more of a battle actually when the first home heating ban went in so there was a there was you know and everyone was kind of ready ready for it you know there was a lot of the stories when the borough was putting together this program it said yeah well hope he he gets ready to see my gun when he comes to check out my wood stove and the only things that we've seen so far are people asking us so how do i know when the wood stove ban is in effect i really need to i want don't want to get a ticket and so i think that things it's, it's way too early to say but if things do look like they might be getting better that people at least people are help willing to try it yeah. willing to, to to give it give it a good shot which is it's a lot more than we've done so far that sounds like a victory or something uh close enough to a victory yeah. i don't know <laughs> i mean yeah. when when you were growing up um so do you remember when the wood stove uh, fine when it or the the bands went into um, was that something that ever affected you guys? So in yeah, so in Juno, um, I I know a little bit about it. Um, the the burn band in Juno, um, affects just the Mendenhall Valley area. There's the mm-hmm. um the area next to the Mendenhall Glacier is this big flat valley with a lot of uh, residential units, and uh, when it gets cold, it's the same thing as in Fairbanks. There's a temperature inversion and all the smoke. Uh, sits down where everyone has to breathe it. Um, I I didn't grow up in the valley, and it was never an issue for our family. But I did contact the city today, and I talked to um, I talked to a gal named Ray there, and she was really helpful and knew a ton about it. And uh, 
what I learned from her is that um, the burn bans in Juno came around in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And there was a, uh, um, as all good things in Juno do, there was a group with a nice acronym, uh, the Good Air Supply Party, or GASP. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, banded together and got this, um, you know, burn initiative passed. And um, so today we, the Valley has a, uh, uh, it has like a, you know, particulate sensor, whatever that device mm-hmm. is, right? And it's uh, located on one of the middle schools in the Valley. And the reasoning there is that the, um, the kids are the most susceptible um, to this kind of particulate. And so uh, putting the sensors on the school makes the most uh, makes the most sense because you're protecting the children, and it and it really raises awareness that that's the group that you're really trying to help here. And and so um, th- you're saying that was a set of lo- the the people of Juno uh, gasped got together on their they own. Got together, yeah, they got together, yeah, they got together in the '80s and they put this in, hmm. and then and, and which is really fascinating to me because the valley is the you know that's the more conservative part of our town, and so um, you know they they vote Republican, they have a Republican representative right now, and. Um, they took it on themselves to impose this, and it was probably a battle. I don't know what the politics uh, were like at the time, but they they said that if there's a you know if it's above thirty, um, you know thirty grains of uh, of baking powder in a three foot cube, then uh, then there's a burn ban in the in the valley, and um, and I'm not sure it's not a straight up burn ban. I think that I think pellet stoves are still allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it basically reduces the amount that people can burn wood. And rather than having the police come around, they have uh, some layers. They have a uh, uh, some kind of compliance officer that are just like local volunteers that go around and remind people as sort of a, hey, you know, you could get fined if uh, the cops come over here. And I think it's sort of a gentle, friendly warning. And then uh, if someone's a recurring problem, they, they tune in the authorities and maybe mm-hmm. give them a fine. But oh, it's, it's, yeah, so it's that kind of a like soft n- neighborhood enforcement. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, in Fairbanks, they have, it's all complaint dri- driven. So you file a complaint and then a um, borough employee inspection officer would come over and, and take a look too. Yeah. And they also, yeah, they have a warning system. And one thing that I should mention about Fairbanks too, is that there are homes that where wood is the only source of heat, you know? And so the borough actually has an affidavit program where you can sign up saying, yes, I swear that my, uh, property only has only has wood or I can't afford to switch over to oil or something like that and um, then they can be excused basically and they can continue to, can, can continue to burn because you know heating your home is something that you need to do uh, yeah yeah and I think that the the challenges in Fairbanks are much different than those in Juneau and like like I said we have a wet climate uh, Fairbanks gets much much colder in the winter we've got a uh, you know a, we've got a much different community mm-hmm so one thing that's interesting, though, so in in Juno, they people came together. They took the responsibility to really try to change it themselves, and that was kind of one of the the promises that um, groups like Tammy Wilson, the people that didn't want borough regulation, is that oh, people will just do the right thing. That we can knock on their door and convince somebody to change it. And so there was a famous case here, um, and it actually has to do with the school too. There was a Wood River Elementary, and it was really. Um, they were across the street from what are called uh, this house that was heated with a hydronic wood boiler. And so these are these big outdoor sheds, basically, where you feed all the wood in, and in, they're, in a proper system, they're heating water up, basically. But they just burn tons of it, tons of wood. Uh, but those are super efficient, right? 
if they're operated properly. Okay, because I, I actually went up to Tanana recently and did a documentary on their um, biomass units. They're using mm-hmm. these Garmin wood boilers that it sounds like a similar system, and they they chop up the wood and they season it and then they throw it in this thing and it uh, it burns the wood and then it burns the gases that come off of the wood mm-hmm. and so it's like it's incredibly efficient and uh, and then it heats it puts that into a heat sink battery it basically heats up water and then the water can be uh, pumped through a building for radiant heat is that the kind of simple it, uh, yeah, is that the kind of system it's like that but without any of the f- fancy add-on technology basically though there's a there was a company that I believe that um, these got banned in lower 48 in a lot of states, a lot of states that burn wood. And so they put them all into a, a flatbed truck, drew them up to Fairbanks, sold them there. And oh. so they don't work all that well. Nice. Uh, and so there was a, there was a house across the street from the school that it got so bad that during the winter, when it's 30 below, mind you, and all the other kids are allowed to go outside and play, um, that the kids outside, those kids there weren't ever allowed out. They were kept inside because the air quality was so bad and um you know there were there were, were uh instances i believe of higher asthma there there wow. were instances where kids were having trouble studying and um it took oh it took it took years it took the actually the dec ended up suing the people uh, it was a two to three year process from once they finally started decided to sue this landlord um for the, the for for having this, and they finally swapped it out and put in a regular st- furnace, and they got uh, a check from the borough for doing so. It was way beyond this lauded sense of uh, people will just do the right thing. Yeah. So, now, haven't you learned something today? Yeah, I learned a lot about wood <laughs> particles. Are, is it even wood at that size, or is it just like? Yeah, technically it's wood. I, they yeah. they can gather it into these. They have these um. Uh, filters that they use that can gather and they can send it off to a lab and tell you what 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 kind of PM two point five what flavor of PM two point five. Oh, so you is. can you can know if it's cedar or tire or coal. Yep. Oh, neat. Yeah, and so the, about thirty of it, thirty percent of it is tire and um That's not and true. gas, <laughs> and then about seventy percent of it is uh, wood. Oh wait, wait, are you serious? Thirty percent of it is just like carbon emissions. Yeah. Oh wow. I mean, yeah. So I mean, the, the if you look at the EPA, the problem cities for PM two point five go like L.A. and Fairbanks. Wow. And so L.A. has it because you know um, a lot of the car emissions will become two PM two point five, and Beijing has it because they have a lot of industrial and car emissions. So so actually a lot a lot of time during the winter, um, Beijing and Fairbanks are like tied uh, for being the dirtiest air quality. Wow. Yeah. I mean that's that's uh that's pretty impressive. Yeah, do, it's one of the, it's you, one of those Do you take favorites. precautions? Like live, I mean now that you've done all this research and you live in this area, like what do you how do you deal with that from a um I don't know, personal health safety uh aspect? So luckily during most of the time that it's the ba- that bad is it's way too cold to ever go outside. So usually inside and home filter air filters do a decent enough job at keeping that kind of thing out. Um but so, for for example, this winter, the summer though, when there was a pigs, um, uh, when there was really bad smoke from the fires, I actually I have um, from woodworking and I have a, a particulate mask that has the big filters on either side and the big rubber no thing that hangs over your mouth. Yeah, I actually I put that in my car, and it w- it was important. It was especially if I was going to be outside for any amount of time. 
all right. Well, I learned a lot about air quality. What uh, Should we maybe do some poetry then? Yeah, I think so. Um, let's see. Okay, actually, this is thematic. So um, we've talked a little bit about Fairbanks. We've talked a little bit about um, reactions to Syria. Um, Pete Kelly reads the Bible while on the Senate floor, but his comments seem to indicate that he should read it more. <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I didn't see that one. It's a good one. Yeah, I like that one. I'm gonna. I'm putting a heart on it. Heart. All right. There we go. Yeah. Well, thank you, Cindy, again for your poetry. Um, at CL Smith AK on Twitter. It's time for emails. You can find us at hey guys at hello alaska pizza. You can also find me at FDNM Politics on Twitter. And I am at Alaska Robotics. And our website is helloalaska.pizza. And we have our very first email from a friend of the show and my former coworker and former roommate and good friend, Joe Fox. Um, he writes, hello, Alaska. I'm moving to California soon, which, I, which aside, um, I'm going to miss him a bunch. Um, and I'm really going to miss Alaska. As people who like Alaska a lot, I thought you guys might like to hear some little things I'm going to miss most. And so here, here's some of the items. I'm not going to read them all. Midnight baseball, uh, the beautiful sunlight on short winter days, coffee huts, really goofy politics, which is, I think, a near and dear to both of our hearts. Definitely. Uh, Fairbanks' jokes about Anchorage, and Anchorageites' jokes about Fairbanks, and the word snow machine. Do you know any of those jokes? I want to hear a joke. Okay. I was actually going to ask about you, do you know why it's have like, standard silly jokes about anybody else? No, so one, one, we're, we're one exceedingly of, polite. We don't talk our, about people. <laughs> one of my favorite Anchorage burns is, oh, it's so cool you're moving to Anchorage. I've heard it's really close to Alaska. Nice. Or <laughs> at least it's a clo- at least it's a short drive to Alaska. Huh. I like yeah. that. There you go. Yeah, good, good, good. Um, actually, I think we should, does anyone else, Does any? do any of our listeners have any good jokes about other cities in Alaska? Please let us know. I want to hear them. Yes. Okay. Please, yeah. Especially about Fairbanks and Juneau. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of truth in humor, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So so he wants to know, Joe wants to know what our favorite things are about Alaska. So what are some of the the little things about Alaska that you feel like are are unique and you might miss if you left? Hmm. I think for me, uh, he mentions it in here too, but driving. I think... There's something that's just really amazing about being able to drive out of your city. I mean, I guess you might not know this being in Juneau, but being able to drive out of your city and see nothing, you know, and be in the middle of nowhere in no in no time. Um, there's that. I love the northern lights. I love the skies up here. Uh, and I love the people. Might sound kind of cheesy, but I like the people up here. I like the smells. Like, the air here is so... It's so good. It's uh, well, maybe not in Fairbanks, but, <laughs> but I love breathing our coastal air down here in Juneau. I love getting up in the mountains. I love uh, up north. If you go up to like Barrow or to Kotzebue, like the air is so crisp and, and it's incredible. I love the air in Alaska. And mm-hmm. that's the first thing I notice when I get back and I get off the plane is I just want to breathe so deeply and <laughs> and continuously. <laughs> Um, I just I just want to take it all in. Uh, that's one of my favorite things. Coming up the beach, like if you're in a boat and you jump out of a boat and you're coming up the beach and you like smell that grass and like the plants and 
trees and things like that. All that, uh, I love those smells. And, uh, and then, yeah, definitely that middle of nowhere feeling for me is when you, whenever you end up in that spot that is just so far from anywhere else and you have a second to reflect on that, um, that's something that feels incredibly valuable. And, uh, yeah, I like that a lot. And I don't think I, I don't think I feel that too often when I'm outside of Alaska. There's, mm -hmm. there's always a Starbucks around the corner. Yeah, there's an impressive scale here. I mean, when you get up in the air and, um, and you can see just how far away, you know, one person might be for another, it's just, it really is kind of amazing. And I think for me, it always has been kind of uh, good to know where, you know, how small I can be, but how close I can be with somebody else at the same time. I also like the things I'm afraid of. I like being in the woods at nighttime and like hearing noises. And I like the, I like the idea that I can be walking home from my office downtown and run into a bear in the middle of the road. Um, <laughs> I like that it's, I like that it's wild and unpredictable. Those are things that I like. So yeah. Thanks Joe for making me think about all the things that I like about Alaska. Cause that's kind of why we're doing this. Um, and we uh, usually end our episode with uh, some of the good news, people or events that are going on that we're excited about. Um, what's uh, what's yours? So I just got done uh, writing a story about um, <clears throat> Father Rev Father Scott Fisher. Uh, he is the rector of the St. Matthew's Episcopal Church. It's his church that is about 110 years old. It's on the banks of the Chena, and he is well he's he's himself he's an interesting guy um he is known by many as the hippie priest in fairbanks and he's got this long hair and unkempt uh you know beard or mustache and sideburns and he's always wearing colorful chuck taylors and he's had this kind of incredible um 45 years in fairbanks where he basically was you know his 24 hours uh after arriving in alaska he was in chalkitsik um, you know, a little tiny town of 80 people, uh, dropped off in October and told, said, Hey, we'll see you in the spring. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so he, he had these kind of incredible stories of just, um, making a fool of himself, you know, when he was there, but, you know, and now he's gone, become this incredible kind of ally of, of everybody. You know, he, what he does is he's really bridged, um, and St. Matthew's does this too, but bridged the native and non-native communities in Fairbanks. And he was the guy that I was talking to about the person who died in prison and said, you know, his, his memory was, he was a good friend. And so this guy is just, you know, within the two hours of spending time with him, you know, some people spent 40 years with him. My two hours with him have been really incredible. Just, um, it, it's always cool to go into an interview and kind of come out knowing more about myself too. And I think, you know, Reverend Fisher or Father Fisher um, really did that. He kind of posed questions at me while I was asking, attempting to learn about his life history. And he's really just a really amazing person and um, meant a lot to so many people up here as far as people who grew up in the church, people who uh, didn't grow up in the church but knew him, but people or people who were just hard on their luck somebody somewhere. You know, he's his, him and his congregation have been the kind of people who um, come to people in need when they need it. And, um, seem to know when people need it and when people need help. Yeah. I like that when you're interviewing someone and they kind of open up your mind in a way you're on a, you're not, you're not expecting. Uh, I don't even know what to say what it is. It's refreshing. Well, I think, and it's such a, and being able to interview people is such a privilege sometimes, you know, and I, I think 
a lot of reporters sometimes um, kind of forget that we're really asking people to tell us about their lives and kind of tell us about personal things. And um, so it's always awesome when you kind of can sit there and watch this process unfold and for the for that person to kind of push back and kind of make me kind of open up too. And it's always, anyway, so it was a, it was a fantastic time. Uh, you can read about it in uh, Sunday, uh, November 22nd's newspaper. Cool. All right. So my thing. How about you? Yeah. My thing is, uh, actually, I feel like I already shared it. So I got really excited. I, they had a, There was this uh, video that came out in 907's own. It was covered by a bunch of different um, media outlets in Alaska. And it's a, it's a uh, documentary on the untold story of, of the Alaskan hip-hop scene. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it sounded kind of goofy to me, and I watched it. And there was um, – and it was kind of goofy, but there were parts of it that were amazing. Um, like, the music was incredible. Uh, the production quality was very good. And this guy out of Anchorage, Josh Boots, was uh, – uh, he was really open to, to – being seen here like he there's a scene where he is uh is showing a house like he's a he's a real estate guy and he's like showing a house and you can tell he's doing the like the sellout job he doesn't want to do but it pays the bills and it's just like heartbreaking and then he goes into the studio and and kills it on the mic and it was so fun to see that contrast and and i think that it uh for me it really um, dug into what it means to be a, a working artist and what it means to be a working artist in Alaska mm-hmm. in a way that a lot of things don't. Like it's it's hard to, it's so hard. It's incredibly hard to be an artist in Alaska. Um, there's it, there's just not the um, the support network is you know if, there are a lot of supportive people, but financially it's very hard to live and mm-hmm. work as an artist. And so it was um, it was neat to see these guys that have been doing this for decades and um kind of coming back to them in their it looked like they were probably in their late 30s early 40s and um and seeing them as mature adults that came out of this scene that was a real scene and uh it, it told their story in a good way um but cool. what was what was super weird about it is that it was produced by Shopify which is like a uh, Canadian company what? that does, yeah, they do e- e-commerce and like, I don't know what the connection is there, whatever crazy connection is there. Uh, but I don't really care about that because it was an awesome video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, um, I'll have to watch it. Yeah. And I don't know if I can get any, I'll, maybe I'll email them and see if I can get some music for the outro. So if yeah. you, if you hear hip hop music during the outro, that means he said yes. And if you don't hear hip hop music, that means I didn't hear back from him in time. So here we are. Goodbye, Alaska. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We made it to the final destination. Thank you. Now follow me to the end. Yeah, I'm 907 till I die, that's just a part of me And this AK blood up in my veins, running in my arteries I beg your pardon, please, taking a second to clear my mind Reflect upon my life and times, you part of your God design Whatever that Lord may be, whatever your heart believes Don't ever let evil breathe, cause just one breath is all it needs See, I'm so free from much of my life when I was doing wrong Can't nobody hold me back, I'm flying now, baby, I be gone Got so many friends who passed, other ones still in the trap Many more lives 
locked in them cages cause of the way they was getting cash More like them snitching rats, but I'm on that different path I'm on that higher ground, supply the town with fire sounds They riding around with marvelous vocals, bumping speakers hard Little boy like, oh my lord, that Josh Boost flow got a supercharge I go from the hood to the grain like wood to the grain And it would be the same if I left it that way, should see the flame But they left me that day, kept my game Step around the back way, shot my name like, hey, hey, you speak that truth Hey homie, it ain't no problem, I gotta thank God that I got that proof Never thought that I would've break loose Actually wait, that's a lie Even inside of my darkest nights I always knew that I'd be that guy I just ain't no win I just ain't no win And now that I'm in I got this grin And I don't want this to end I can't express the way it feels To share my dreams with friends We kicking back and watch the world spin I'm talking people that I grew up with Still in my circle And plus the ones that's gone I miss you, I still see you perfect See we just out here searching Looking for the answers to the question Why we living, what's the purpose and even on them days I'm feeling worthless When Satan serpents all up on my surface I ain't nervous, I keep working, got my goals in mind My flow is cold and prime, homie, the soul is mine And it's my emotion that you own it You can soak it up and hold it in your body Till the moment that I'm dead and gone When you lonely, just pop this in and ride, homie We doing fine, homie, got nothing but time, homie Always meant to speak the facts Hitting the corner, bend the track Circle back right where I started Yes, my heart is still intact, I feel that Never let cold weather, God remember that One of my cities are standing fat Tashu was a legend here Recognized as a pioneer Hip-hop shows, I did some We gon' come, these soul matters almost done Marvelous music gets you some Watch me reach from the old to the young Truth gon' speak and the people gon' come Now that we here, let me take it on out Follow that dream, no, never that doubt People gon' tell you that there ain't no route They gon' tell you that you can't get out But it just ain't true, I'm just that proof It's just in you, what is you gon' do? Make that choice, follow that voice Whatever it is that you wanna do, do Take a look at me if you need that view you can make it out i promise you this world could just astonish you honesty could never lose so matters uh yeah hey thank everybody for following me ah i'm up out of here peace